In a world full of misery, rage, and insomnia, there's a place you can go to just unwind. All you have to do is take a long walk into the mountains, and just past the black house with the secret garden, you'll find a small cabin. Inside that cabin, you'll find the Hole in the Wall Book Club. So now that the Dreamcatcher's hung and the fire started, we invite you to pull up a chair and join the Losers Club as we explore the world of officious little pricks and shining on. Hello, and welcome to Hole in the Wall Podcast, After Dark. I'm Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Alex. What the fuck is wrong with us? <laughs> Just <laughs> fundamentally as people. Hello, welcome to Hold the Wall Podcast. This is Anthony. As uh, Alex. And we are back with The Shining. Chapter 11 through 17. 17. Not yep. 2, through. Through, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's not necessary. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. I got to put my like orange offering energy into something. It's going to be condescension. Apparently. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, There's a bit of condescension in the orange offer, I feel, so that works. Yeah, no, your, your vitamin C levels, man. <laughs> yeah. Would you like some gummy vitamins? <laughs> yeah. I got Flintstone ones. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so I enjoyed, overall, enjoyed this part, which makes me so worried. Because if I remember right, I think I enjoyed the first two episodes we did of The Shining, and then it went, not The Shining, The Salem's Lot, and then it went to hell. So I'm real nervous right now. I think the saving grace, though, is at least we don't have to deal with that. Um, such a big uh, pool, people, space, everything. Right, might be a little because that that really was, I think, part of our issue with Salem's Lot was not just that it got kind of butchered, but that we said that so much was in the background. Yeah, there really isn't a background. I think it doesn't appear to be we're, that you could. Yeah, like by narrative structure, we're losing characters. Yeah, at this point, like we're this is also written like a book book. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. not a. Uh, frantic retelling of something that happened in Salem's Lot. My God, yeah. <laughs> no, like, the, the structure of this is actually, like, super classic book. Um, still a little heavy on the foreshadowing, but... A bit, we'll get that. Yeah, we'll rant on that. Because there's we, a part We where... kind of, like, didn't rant on that last time, because I had a lot to say about the, for, like, the obs- uh, excessive level of foreshadowing in the first chapter, where it's like, hey, hey, Jack, just so you know, the last person that did this job went crazy and killed his entire family. Sure that's not going to happen to you? Nah, not going to happen to me. Hey, readers, what do you think? <laughs> do you think this is going to be the end of the book? da 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 And then... Oh, we ramp it up when we get back to Danny. Yeah. Uh, at yeah. the end of this. <laughs> yeah, jumping in, our first chapter is The Shining. I love that there's chapter names in this. If if nothing else, but from this like board I always write here, so I don't have to make up what happened in the chapter. That's true. Because yeah. like, I just wrote chapter names down here. Yeah, and... it's a format. It, it, got, it took to the third book, but yeah. it, it's, in, it's in a book format. Yeah. Now. So we're finishing up part two. I actually kind of forgot we had parts in this book, I'm going to be honest. Oh, yeah, um, that's true. But The Shining picks up right where we left uh, off last time. Um, Hallahan, is that his name? Halloran. Halloran. Yeah. Uh, asks J- uh, Danny, hey, help me to the car with this, uh, with his bags. They Then Danny gets in his car. And this is another one of these things where, God, it's real hard to like jump back a couple decades in mindset because and not think in immediately well to be fair wendy has a bit of that thought. right she does get a little worried when he gets in the car right right yeah there's a moment <clears> where she's like she uh, even almost thinks he's just going to leave with him yeah she like kind of like points like to jack she's like um so 
I know in the last chapter, he asked our kid if he'd run away to Florida with him 16 times, but I think he's serious. They're getting in the car. <laughs> and, like, calms down when she notices they're just sitting in the car. Which was another moment where it's like, okay, step it back a few decades. Because putting myself in that position, even if, like, I had the guy's keys, I'd just be like, why the fuck you got my six-year-old in your car? What yeah. are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and they're in there for a while. Like they have, they have a fairly long conversation. And if you really just like extract, like even just the time it took to read, but if you extrapolate in how long that conversation would have been, they're sitting in that car for a while with his mom being like, what are you, what are you doing with my kid? Um, but this is where we get the name of the shining. Um, Halloran, Halloran, why can't I do it? Halloran, um, blatantly says to Danny, like, Hey, so you got this thing called the Shining. I can feel it, and came from his grandma. Yeah, yeah. Halloran's grandma she made up that Shining on. Yeah, I love that. I actually do love that phrase. Um, I will say though, I don't think we've seen many black people in Stephen King's books up to this point. This may be our first major black character, or at least explicitly black character that I'm remembering. Um. And yeah, then he's, yeah, I guess so. he's definitely got that jive attitude. I kind of love the actual. Yeah, there's a couple times where he <laughs> that, asks that Danny, like, can you dig it? I love it. Yeah. That I actually love. Like, it's it's cheesy in that, like, you're pushing it thing, but it actually makes me like him. I I, hey, I, I love that he's so chill, basically. Right. <laughs> I, and I say dig it a lot in my life. So I was like, <laughs> I know, I know the eventual end of this character. Do I, do I want to feel for them? Like, do I want to feel connected? But... There was a bit here that really got me where Halloran. 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 Sounds like some kind of like anti STD cream. Or some sort of weird like light bulb thing. Ooh, yeah. Like a Halloran light bulb. Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) They shine on. Exactly. Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. We got to make the. We're going to rebrand this podcast. We're just just spewing ideas in your lap for money. Yeah, come on. Come on. (laughs) But he looks at Danny and he's like, hey, hit me. Hit me with your mind. Just hit me with all you got. And Danny damn near kills him. Just knocks his ass. Oh, yeah. I think he yells in his mind. He he. There's this actually kind of cool little description of him, like, imagining winding up the thought like uh, a baseball pitcher. They used a specific name, but it's a dude from the 60s. I don't uh, care about. I think it was Ryan. Nolan Ryan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not good at sports people in modern day. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Like there's that one pitcher I like because he pitched all crazy. I don't remember his name. <laughs> I think that's how I'd pitch my shiny. <laughs> like, fuck that go. <laughs> but yeah, no, he he imagines like loading up the thought uh, like a like a baseball pitcher and then just launching like and he holds back at the last second, be like, I don't want to hurt him, and launches the thought, "Hi, Dick," which took me a moment because like, all oh, right, that's his first name. Danny's not just randomly be like, "You're an ass." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, fuck you, dude. My friends call me Dick. <laughs> right. Right. And, like, he damn near melts Dick's brain. You might as well just think of, like, a psychic just shot in the head. Like, I I, like, he, I believe he gets, like, how do they describe it? He's, like, slightly out. I don't remember if he had any physical. Did anything bleed or something? I thought, like, he had a nosebleed or um, something. Am I wrong? I don't think he had a nosebleed. He said, uh, like, he had a massive headache and, like, his eyes started watering. And he made okay. a mention. Okay. Like, when Danny's like, hey, I'm sorry, I held back. Uh, Dick's like... Notice I've switched his first name because I can't say his last name. Um, uh, Halloran. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Halloran's like, 
uh, if you hadn't held back, I'm pretty sure my brain would be leaking out of my ears. <laughs> yeah. Which would have been a very different book. Like, Wendy's like, is he going to steal my kid? Oh, no, he's dead. What do we do now? <laughs> very different. And then it would turn it into a, you know, Danny traumatic experience because <laughs> he just mind killed someone. Yeah. Oh, apparently I'm a mind flayer. <laughs> I might as well eat the brain at this point. Yeah. That would be a sweet twist. Yeah. Danny's actually a mind flayer in disguise. Oh, he just melts her brain and sticks in like a silly straw? This, is all, a, kid. this is all a trap to work up the emotions in his parents to such a high that their brains will be delicious. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get a big long talk there, which I think ends with Halloran being like, are you sure you don't want to go to Florida? Like, there's touching on, like, he made a weird mention about asking Danny, like, or, do your parents shine? Danny's like, I don't think so. And Halloran's like, well, I, I tried to, uh, I, I tried to like reach out to your mom and dad the same way I reached out to you. And there's a weird mention of like, your mom's got a bit of the shine, but I think it's that kind of shine every mom gets until their kid can take care of themselves, which is an interesting concept for the shiny, like <laughs> yeah. a new facet, like mom shining. Goddamn mom. Only as long enough as I need to protect you, and then I don't have it. Right. And then it, it didn't Jack wasn't Jack just like a dark hole <laughs> yeah yeah like halloran like didn't say this to danny specifically but like in his mind we get that like he doesn't feel like he doesn't feel like anyone who has the shining but he also doesn't feel like anyone who definitely doesn't have the shining i'm kind of spooked of him <laughs> yeah he also i believe um this is where um he explains the nature of the hotel and like the what you need to do right this is where the um he tells him that like you know you're gonna see spooky things i've seen spooky things in the hotel just interpret them as picture books right when you see a spooky thing in a book you close the book it's no longer a thing it's just a picture and that's where he tells danny to start doing this thing where if he ever sees anything spooky in the hotel that look away yeah, just close your eyes yeah it's just like a dream or something it's gone as soon as you're done just look away and look back it'll be gone and so there's the sort of tutoring you'll start to see danny doing as he moves through the hotel and experiences yeah stuff. and like we get a bit more about what has happened at the hotel and such um like there was a maid who halloran describes as having a bit of the shine but not knowing it um who went into what's it what's the big room 217 in the book yeah i think so. i know it's 317 in the three it's a different number yeah the, the movie's movie. different yeah because they if i remember right they changed it so it was a room the hotel didn't actually have because they're like if we film that here, no one's going to want this room. Yeah, I think, so yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah. But, um, like, a maid went into that room, which which always cracks me up because, like, there's that, like, big whole, like, that number's super important. And, and it's like, yeah, that number was clearly chosen randomly because it was... It can't really be that important if they changed it in the script at the last minute. Are you right. sure there's a conspiracy here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the um, that was where the maid, like, went in and saw something terrifying. I think she eventually got fired because she wouldn't talk to stop talking about what she saw and Halloran's like don't go in that room just yeah don't yeah. just at all isn't that possibly the room with the, the tub woman, woman and stuff yeah. yeah that you we kind of got uh pointed out a bit earlier I yeah think he tells that story um and he mentions that he saw something with the topiary but he topiaries at one point but he won't explain what because he don't want to scare Danny um he also makes a mention that he's worked in a lot of different hotels, and since he lives in Florida, and this is Colorado, we kind of get the impression, around the fucking country. Um, and this is the only one he's seen that's had this 
much activity. Yeah. Like, he, he talks about how, like, all hotels have their dark secrets. They all should have ghosts, but this is where they are. I thought that was kind of cool. This is also where I think you probably get a hair of foreshadowing as he's about ready to leave the car, which is that um, he tells Danny, you know, because he's so strong with that shining, that he bet he bets even if he tried real hard, he could even call for him if he needs help. Yep. So this is where he offers, like, hey, if you're real deep shit, reach out as hard as you can with your mind and try to find me, and I bet you, yeah, but you can, and I'll come, come, oh, come and help or whatever. Yeah. Um, I actually, I actually like this chapter. I thought the way that um, Dick introduced The Shining was cool. Like it was, This is probably my, probably my favorite chapter so far in the book that is about The Shining. Because it was two people, it was it was not, it was cool seeing two people who both have it, discussing it sort of in a teacher mastery way. Right, like he's not as strong as Danny, but I but you can tell by how comfortable and uh, uh, friendly he feels like almost immediately. Because remember, I, I believe back when he first meets Halloran, Halloran swoops him up off right. his feet and he's giggling, and you can tell the instant bond. So it's that kind of like guiding Danny even yeah because uh, you see Danny do this even when he's gone he like repeats Halloran mantras like stuff in his head yeah oh, uh, Halloran told me this Halloran told me this <clears throat> and there's some like cool little bits of writing in here where like there's a part at which um they've discussed like uh reading people's emotions and thoughts like Danny goes on this big thing about like uh, Halloran asked him, can you read your parents' thoughts? And he's like, I can, but I don't because that's like spying on them in the bedroom when they're making a baby. And I actually loved that line. It was like the, it's, uh, it's, it'd be like spying them on the bedroom when they're doing the thing that makes a baby. You know that thing. And Halloran's like, I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah. I loved that line. It was so good. But uh, after that, like Halloran, you can see like how careful Halloran and Danny are both being here, which I liked a lot because Halloran says, I'm like, well, do you ever get anything else? And Danny's like, uh, do you? <laughs> and Halloran, I think it's not, it's not written or said, but you can see Halloran be like, okay, sometimes I have dreams. And it was, it was a really good, like back and forth comfort. Like Halloran didn't really want to put ideas on Danny, but Danny, but knew like Danny needed the permission to say the more. And I really liked that. Yeah. We got like a bit, a bit more of it. A bit more of a description of Tony. Like, we find out, like, Tony almost always shows up between, before, like, what are essentially Halloran's calling, like, visions. Right. Like, he actually makes a reference to, like, we call it, I, I call it the shining. The Bible called it prophecy. Like, things like that. Um, but, like, Halloran smells oranges before his visions. Oh, right, right. Which was, I, I just thought, a really cool little cue. Um, he told a couple of his stories, like, the moment, um, he had a flash and saw his brother die in a car accident. And then another time where he got this overwhelming feeling his plane was going to go down. So he changed flights and nothing happened. Yeah, that's, that's a key element he does tell Danny. Do not instantly trust everything you see because you can have a vision and then it just doesn't happen. Right. But that's weird. Because he changed because, it. Exactly. Right. He got off the flight. So maybe that's why it didn't happen. And so it's this weird like, yeah. And even even uh, Danny has said some of my dreams don't happen. But then you're kind of given the evidence. Oh, maybe... Danny knowing messed it up and then it didn't happen. So Danny, it kind of pairs with how you've been kind of seeing, because he, he says this when he's talking a bit to uh, Halloran and he'll say this to a doctor he meets later. It's clear that Danny tries while knowing he has these powers to not use them to interfere with anything because right. they scare his parents. And so with those two concepts combined, you're kind of given the impression that the 
tragedy that's going to happen that Danny foresees is go it might actually kind of happen because Danny doesn't say anything. Right. He just lets it play out because he doesn't want to ruin that his mom and dad seem happy now. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's a big part here. We actually get like one chapter um a little bit later on. It's the down in the front yard chapter, 15. I'm fairly certain the entire point of that uh that small chapter is just, hey, look how happy they are. That was the whole point of it. It was moving here is fixing their marriage. Right. Which but, makes, yeah. Yeah. So uh, any more on that chapter? I think that's, that Not really. covers it. That pretty much it, yeah, it just ends with him getting out of the car and running in and Wendy feeling relieved that he wasn't running off. Yeah. Um, it would help if I wrote in a way that I could actually read. What the fuck does that say? The ground something? Isn't this the media, isn't this the followed up by uh, Olman tour? That's yeah, what I'm I was say because uh, yep. yeah, this is where Olman says he likes showing off the thing and he takes them all the floors. Yeah, pretty much everyone's gone at this point. I think, I think this is the chapter that starts with like a lecherous smile from the workman to Wendy. By the way, I'm putting my vote for uh, Stephen King cameo in that workman. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Watson, Watson, yep. yeah, because he Watson King. <laughs> Actually, wasn't the Letras look a, worked a bit in the last one? I felt like this one was the one that started when he was getting ready to leave. Or was that when they come back from the Grand Tour? It's somewhere in here. Like okay. One of the last things you yeah, see there, from there is a look, is like and then a Letras le- look, and then he eventually leaves. And then, yeah, because well, then later Watson's standing there waiting, and then he shakes Jack's hand and does his little ma'am, almost kissing Wendy's hand kind of thing. Oh, right. <clears> You're like, well, in front of your husband, I'll kiss your hand to be cordial. If he wasn't here, I'd rough you raw. <laughs> It's like, meet me by the topiaries. I'll show you God. <laughs> I'll make you shine on. I don't know. I was working for like a Bukaki joke, but it didn't come together for me. <laughs> anyway, the... Uh, uh, yeah, you were you, you explained. I'm going to think on this Bukaki joke. <laughs> so he basically takes him a tour around. It's not the most exciting thing. Um, Especially because we kind of got most of it Yeah, already. I actually thought this was weird that Ullman was so compelled to re-show them again. But uh, basically, I think he starts by taking starting at the top mm-hmm. and they get into the elevator and he and they i think wendy shows a little disconcern for the elevator and its age yeah but he's like and danny's obviously not comfortable but not saying anything. yeah and oh, i think Oman makes a comment like yeah well in other instances they're the first time but this baby's gone up and down a thousand times it's yeah, fine like, he says something about um i actually like this exchange because Ullman says something about like um oh no the the elevator's sturdy and, and built for this and Actually, Jack, in what I think might be the first time he's just been like, fuck you, Allman, is like, yes, yeah, so was the Titanic. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. But he see, that was it. He says the Titanic only sailed once, but this thing has gone up and down a thousand times. The elevator. Yeah. <clears throat> and so they, it's, every time they get in the elevator, also from now on, just assume it's an automatic. Someone feels uneasy. Yep. Um, but they go to the top floor. And this would be where the presidential suite is. And he describes nice it is people that have lived here i believe this is where the marilyn monroe and her man were at thing and yeah he's like, and danny's like why don't they have the same last name mommy and he's like well because when they're celebrities their name is everything they don't women don't want to change their last name when they're celebrities yeah no one had, wants to see marilyn smith they want to see marilyn monroe they had to explain <laughs> to a six year six year old the value of name recognition <laughs> Which branding weird yeah. it was a weird aside but i think like after that a bit they kind of just like wendy or someone's just like anyway and they kind of push in i feel like a lot of those asides with danny are just to show us that danny's observant and curious basically yeah. which 
every time a third party shows up, they very much emphasize about him. Yep. Okay, we've done it again. We've turned uh, Stephen King into the royal they. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the uh, pops it open. Nothing particularly interesting in the presidential suite. I think beyond the fact is that... Is that where the, like, really violent carpet is? There was yeah. some carpet that, like, Danny really disliked but pretended to like because Allman was super into it. Yeah, and then there's actually... Well, it's the there's the <coughs> carpet that Danny actually really likes but is ugly as crap, and he makes the point that... Uh, why isn't this carpet in everywhere in the building? It's so neat. And they're like, uh, because it's what makes this spot special. As opposed <laughs> yep. to just telling him it looks like garbage. Yep. <laughs> I, is this, is it in this room? He sees the first weird thing bleeding. I think Was, so. Yeah. yeah he, I think he, he starts seeing bits of that throughout the whole yeah, tour. Yeah. Like throughout this tour, I think he sees like something on the wall bleed. And then another point. I'm trying to remember. Is the fire hydrant? Yeah, the fire, the fire extinguisher. Yeah, the fire extinguisher just kind of makes him really uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, yeah, this is where we get start getting the first, like, spooks and places that Danny gets to experience, because obviously Jack didn't react to anything. Right, right. Um, and, like, I think ahead. at a certain point in there, like, at least Wendy notices Danny's not all right and keeps, like, staring far off, but doesn't really bring much up. I think from there, they just work their way. Was there any other particular, like significant spot in i mean the i don't think there, there i think were, it was just a re it was it was almost the reader being given a tour of the hotel more specifically yeah it was it was like touching base on actually several places we'd already seen before in like jack's tour but we kind of got like danny and wendy's reactions to it yeah um there was a weird bit where like they showed where allman showed jack and wendy their bedroom and wendy makes a mention of like oh it's two twin beds jack's like oh it's fine we can push them together and allman's like what why oh yeah i was like are you an alien like well he does he does react like that he because it's like we'll push them together and he seems confused and then he's like oh wait yeah you can totally push them together yeah it was it was just <laughs> such a weird detail like i'm gonna i'm gonna go on a limb it felt like really i'm wondering if allman is homosexual and stephen king is writing allman in a very very outsider strange gay way like this like it, it, because there there is that like stereotype of, like the meticulous assertive asshole gay guy but then like does that framework exist though when this book is written though I don't know. Because at the same time, it also kind of feels like the guy who's so obsessed with work, he doesn't have proper personal anything. Yeah, maybe. Like the kind of like, because as, as everyone seems to describe him, he's the ass kisser to the customer and the absolute, you know, Hitler to everyone who works with him. Kind of sounds like that guy who just doesn't even think of people things. That's, he just, I mean, that's he possible. He just thinks that's... of work and that's it. Because he, he seemed pissed off to go on vacation. Yeah. Every time they keep, every time they keep like, have a good one, he's like, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're trying to kind of, they were trying to get out of the tour and yeah. get into this. They're like, don't you, aren't you busy? Don't you want to like get going? He's like, no, I'm all closed up. So I got nothing to do. I'm done with the hotel for the season. Let's go walk around the hotel one more time. If anything, this man might be like, in love with the yeah, hotel. I was gonna say it's, it's a house it, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's fuck that. It's house. not even like a like a even a sex based preference. <laughs> he just loves this hotel. <laughs> both both the boiler and all men yeah. creep. <laughs> yeah. God, it creeps. What's that creepy creeps. machine that'll be forgotten about? It it's ain't just, the boiler. <laughs> it's just all been fucking an exhaust pipe. <laughs> ear, Okay. Well, oh, we, fuck. Okay. We weird with that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the grand tour. Like. 
really not much. Nothing happens. sticks out to me at least. So yeah, it must have not been. It's just basically like you get a, a bunch of little bits of Danny being like, "Oh, this part's spooky. Oh, I do not like this. Hey, this not a fan. We're oh, basically I like this room. We're basically getting Danny as a detector. Right. Confirmation: this place does in fact have weird shit in it. It's not just a mundane hotel. Yeah. Um. What was the next? The wasp nest. Uh. Our... This is a. This is a weird chapter, because it's. It, I think it's really good. It's just way too fucking long. Yeah, it's well written. It's just so basically Jack's doing maintenance. He's got to replace the shingles. As yep. he, had, he said he was going to do earlier. He and find, I think this is this is like a couple weeks. They've been there alone for a while. Yeah, at this point. there doesn't appear to be like explicit time explanation. But yeah, they, they it's, it's it feels like they've been there snow, for a while. But they've been there a yeah, while. Yeah, they talk about how the flurries are starting and there is some mild weather. Mm-hmm. I think one road was frozen over. Yeah, I don't remember if we know this in this chapter, but we find out at least in the next chapter, Danny and Wendy are out in town right now. Yeah, they are still mobile at this point because yeah. the hotel has a hotel truck that, right. that Wendy will use. But uh, basically, he's up there doing the shingles. If, kid's name. If finds a wasp nest, he gets, and he gets stung by one of them. Gets right? stung by one of them and kind of plans a little bit of vengeance against them. At first, he's just kind of dodging them because they stand between him and his ladder, so he's sort of trapped up there. So it becomes this routine of like booking it to the ladder and getting down before the wasps get irritated. But with, sort of within this sort of work environment of just kind of casually cleaning up the hotel, you sort of get a you start to get a pretty massive actually insight into Jack. And those moments we've seen pop multiple times before, the firing, the hurting the kid, yep. the slash tires, hurting Danny, except you get a lot more of each of those things as Jack perceived them to be. Yeah. Um, George Hatfield was the kid's name, by the okay, way. Okay, yeah. Because actually... Because I think that's the biggest... Isn't it a little weirder here? thing? Because when he gets to George, he makes the comment that that guy almost represents his character in his play. Yeah. Yeah, it's... This whole thing's like a mixture of him, like, doing Wasp stuff... Uh, getting like dealing with those and then thinking about hey, the play he's writing and that leads him into being like, I don't hate George. In fact, he's like what I'm thinking of with this character who's kind of the hero of this play. And he gets into what led George to slash his tires, basically. And like you find out George was on the debate team. Well, um, I guess if you want to like preset okay, it by yeah, a little bit. So basically um, his father was a lawyer, George. His father was a lawyer. And George was really good at sports, was totally fine with getting C's and B's and stuff, and did just fine. But his father hammered into him, you need to be like me. I, I'm a lawyer. Debate is awesome for your resume when you go to law school. Join the debate team. Well, he joins the debate team uh, at first and doesn't make it. But then he kind of really doubles down and actually gets on the debate team and actually gets pretty good in a sense and jack is running it yeah and jack yeah jack's in charge of the and so he gets pretty good at it in a sense but something kind of crops up he stutters anytime he george feels nervous anxiety or anything he's hard hard stutters and so um there's like jack a, makes points throughout this that he's he does his research he yeah, has he's great arguments. totally does all the work really well stutter. Yeah. he doesn't get through his full arguments yeah. before he runs out of time and so you you get he describes an event in which george was at the podium at a fairly important it seemed important debate and just hard stutters all the way through and when it's over he actually goes to jack and is like you cut me off you, yep. you, it's you that ruined my thing. You set the timer back. And he's like, no, I, it's you, you stutter. I understand. No, no, it's not my stutter. You set the clock back to ruin me. And at this point, you're kind of thinking, well, he does stutter. Okay, Jack, why are you yeah. being so? And, and, and then, Jack, in his thoughts, <clears throat> like, 
kind of directed at the reader, says, I didn't set the clock yep. back. It's I, because he stuttered. He lost track of time. So now you're on Jack's side at first. You're right. like, okay, well, he's stuttering. He's just being an ass. I mean, the stuttering is unavoidable, but this kid's getting out of hand with this. And of course, then this leads to, uh, I would assume this is not explicitly stated, but you would assume the kid had some problem with his father, which is what incites... Because he gets cut from the debate team. Yeah, and you, you imagine in the background his dad's yelling at him or something and pissed at Jack as well. And so the kid goes to... Does he do it in the parking lot or at his house? I'm always confused at the place. Okay, so at the parking lot, and he's slashing... Uh, yeah, because it's during debate. Because right. uh, Jack goes back to the car to get some that, more right, supplies yeah. for the rest of the debate. Yeah, and so when Jack's on the way back, he sees that his tires are being slashed. And it's how Jack describes it is that George turns around and goes... Uh, this isn't what it looks like, and then Jack loses his temper. Oh, yeah. And just, he, he describes that George had a knife and was saying, get back, and then there's just a flash of anger, and suddenly the knife's on the other side of the concrete, George is on the ground, face caved in, and Jack suddenly realizes, oh, shit, I just pulled him off. another teacher pulling yeah, him another off. teacher runs off the to pull him off. The rest of the debate club is standing in the doorway. Yeah. <clears throat> and then Jack flips full 180 like he did with his son, which is immediate regret tells the teacher to go get the doctor tells the debate team that the debate's done go home and just suddenly gets rammed by the shock of this and you're like yeah he lost his temper but this is where it gets a little weird because when he says i didn't do this malicious you get this theme throughout this entire thing i'm not malicious i was just doing this because i lost my temper right i'm a good man who loses his temper i'm not a malicious man i have to get the temper yeah. under control yeah. and i'll be fine uh, once that's locked down I'm, I'm good and so you get that and then he goes yeah, i didn't set that clock back yeah and i didn't set that clock back and he kind of goes he kind of goes a little more into like the nature of george and kind of you know he felt bad george was a decent person da 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 da, da. and then he goes <clears throat> i forget how it worded because it's actually you might actually actually could you yeah, find yeah, that in the yeah. book that's actually really well written how he basically divulges it the nice thing about this book is the chapter numbers are always on the top, or the chapter names are always on the top. So, oh, it. Let me find it. Yeah, because I think it should be very near the end. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's why I've gotten myself all confused. We're in part three, the wasp nest, chapter fourteen, up on the roof. Oh, okay. That's why I was getting myself <laughs> all confused. Uh, do you want to read that, or do you? You can read it since you found it. Cool, but yeah, this is so. Yeah. We get that mantra throughout where it slightly changes because, like, I didn't set the timer head. I'm sure I didn't set the timer. And then it's, um, he would swear that before the throne of Almighty God, just as he would swear that he had set the timer ahead no more than a minute and not out of hate, but out of pity. And it's like, ah, yeah, you're, you're not only an unreliable narrator, you're an unreliable narrator to yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, like, it doesn't help that, like, the very end of this chapter ends with him, he gets past... He gets past, uh, he gets kind of gets out of his memory. He realizes he's been sitting on the edge of the roof for like half an hour. Um, and then he climbs down to go get a bug bomb. And the last of it, of the chapter is he went down the ladder to get the bug bomb. They would pay, they would pay for stinging him. <laughs> I, like, I feel like you don't have your anger under control, buddy. Ooh. Nope. And you, you definitely don't get that as it, we move forward. Either. Yeah. Cause he keeps telling himself this, just lock it down and you're good. Yep. What is that into? Down in the front yard. This is this is a... So from there, we go to our next chapter, uh, Down in the Front Yard, which is a very, really short chapter. Oh, yeah, yeah, and this that's is, right. This is the one I said that it's basically just here to be like, look, they're happy. This is actually working. Because uh, Danny and Wendy, Wendy get back. There's some cute talk there. Like, Danny and Wendy are actually... It's like, 
Jack this is when they're back in the, from the truck. Yeah, when they get back with the truck, Jack and Wendy are actually like flirting, which we haven't seen. Oh uh, yeah, to this so this point. is when Danny gets the uh, little purple Volkswagen, and um, Wendy tells him that when they're done a certain level of reading, because uh, Jack's teaching him to read, that that his dad will help him put that yeah, together. Yeah, model kit. And I then used to love those model and kits. They, yeah, and then she tells Jack to go get something off the floor in the car, but not to check anywhere else because she's bought him something. It, just simple little like yeah. sweet little family. We're all working out. We're all kind of happy. Danny's getting stuff. Jack seems pretty content. That kind of thing. We get this uh, a little bit there where Jack's like, hey, Danny, I got you something. Run around the back porch and go find it. And eventually Danny comes back with the wasp nest that he yeah. bug bombed, which of course freaks Wendy out immediately. But he's like, no, I bug bombed it. Wasps dropped out of it. They're all dead. He's cool. I had one in my room as a yep. kid. What my my dad gave me. Danny, you want to put that in your room? And we get like a little notice there. I think it's I think it's the next chapter. I want to jump into it. Where Danny's room is kind of set up like a shrine. Like they keep, or at least uh, Stephen King keeps using that language. Like there's like levels to. Here's the stuff he kind of likes. But on that top shelf, right on that top shelf, that's the the kit he's gonna put together. And then the sacred like highest appeal place right next to his bed on his nightside dinner. That's where the hive is. And, 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 and I really like that hierarchy of interest thing. And, that, and that's significant because something that's passively pointed out constantly from Wendy's perspective is that she feels a little out all the time because it's clear Danny likes his father more. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, you'll see even more of this later, but put blop throughout this almost from the very beginning of the book is just Wendy. You can tell the source of it. Her mom having a problem with her means that that, child parent bond is very important to her right and that the fact that danny seems to like jack more even though jack even broke his arm right kind of bothers and she Wendy. never says that part but yeah. you always feel yeah you kind of know that yeah and then she has that other confliction of like but am i being just like my mom who thinks that my dad like i stole my dad away from her wait a second it's actually a pretty interesting dynamic because yeah. it makes a lot of sense she's torn between wanting not wanting to be her mom but unfortunately to her is having feelings she thinks her mom might have had right like okay when the kid prefers your dad over your mom and you feel abandoned you get all mean and she's like i don't want to become that but i'm feeling it right yeah it's it's a weird dynamic there but i actually like that one this is where i think king excels at mm -hmm. he's good at if you're going to make everyone miserable in your books He's at least good at giving you the cause for why they all feel the way they feel. Right. Like this, this might be, I, I think I mentioned to these Joff podcasts, if there's one thing I could say that the King consistently is a bit overbearing on, it's the idea that, that people are all just um, a little too fucked up no matter what. Right. Like you kind of want one or two people that while they may have some personal issues feel a little more grounded, but when you make people look like their anxiety and mental state is in the stratosphere and then you throw in ghosts that actually kind of deflates the horror because the guy's going through such hell in his own head that spooky things clawing at him kind of don't even seem that bad, well, that which is a credit like to, a relief well, in, a, in a weird way, which is a credit to Kane because he's making creating so much real stress. You're, you're not even worried about the creatures yet right. or whatever. You're worried about these people losing it. Yeah. It's like, well done, but it's just like, you might want to save some of the Jack and everyone breaking till they're confronted. Right. As opposed to, like, them losing it all now. We're, we're being built up in, like, two completely opposing ways where we're, like, seeing their relationship healing and coming back together. And also Jack kind of going a little off the deep end. Well, yeah, each of them to a degree. Like, Wendy never, the same way Jack keeps trying to say, keep my anger in check. Wendy's constantly going, keep my jealousy of Danny with Jack in check. And then Danny's going, keep my powers in check so I don't upset my parents. And so it's this dynamic where everyone's 
looks really happy together, but when they're left alone, they just ponder the worst things. Right, right. And we get into kind of like the meat of horror starting to happen here. Yeah. We yeah. two more chapters in. Um, this one I forget. This starts with the bathroom thing, then the stings, right? It's not the other it way It starts around. with Wendy walking, I believe, something like Wendy walking into the room and uh, Danny's like studying almost too hard. Yeah, right. Because uh, he has to, I think they said, like, it was uh, one of those super classic children's books. Yeah, Wendy makes a comment that sounds like you have to have lived then for this to sound relevant when she makes, like, the Holy Trinity. It's like Jack Jill and Jim Jill. Basically, it's the classic when you're in grade school, girl, boy, dog yeah. kind of combo to teach you to read. Yeah, and, like, once he finishes that one, like, can read that whole book, uh, his dad's going to help him put out of that model. And he's and, been he's been succeeding at an obscene rate. Like right. his, his parents are like he's tearing through these books. And we get a lot of conversation between the two of them being like, "Is this good? Like, are we pushing him too hard?" And Jack being like, "I'm not pushing him. Like, I'm telling him to slow the fuck down." <laughs> and it, it's interesting because like they have, I, I they're they're seeing his motivation is he wants to put this car together. He is absolutely like, I want to read these words I see in my visions. And I thought that was And really... please, Dad. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a dual thing, but there's now yeah, there's definitely the element of those words I keep seeing in my dreams. I just don't know what they mean. Right. So I want to learn how to read. Yeah. Um and she eventually is like, okay, stop. Get ready. Go to bed. Oh Ma, I want to keep reading. You put it away. You need to go brush your teeth and clean up. Uh and oh, and give your dad a kiss or whatever. So he runs in there does that and then goes to the bathroom and is in there for a weird amount of time mm-hmm. and this is when wendy goes to the door and at first it's just like hey honey what's up open the door okay now i'm gonna beat your ass open the door yep and the door is locked and eventually she goes and gets jack they're both freaking out and, eventually, and he's not answering at all yeah jack is even danny isn't answering yeah at all. yeah danny isn't answering at all and jack uh eventually Wendy, I think, even has a little moment where, like, wow, Danny's not even responding to Jack. Right. And so eventually Jack kicks the door open. It gives easily because this is an old ass hotel. They find him on the ground. Allman He's, takes a powerful blow somewhere. Yeah, the 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 water's running, the toothpaste is dropped on the ground, and he's just like locked up with his toothbrush in his hand and his eyes rolled back and he's just gone. Yep. And they're obviously panicking. Wake up, wake up. He starts blurting some words. I don't remember them. He talks about the roke mallet. Yeah, the mallet. He, uh, I think he says red, red rum, rum again at some point. And I think, And then is, he stutters. Yeah, and then he hard stutters. And as we've been informed before, Jack has a weird correlation with stuttering. And he just shakes the fuck out of his son and screams in his face yep. to stop stuttering. And it, <clears throat> like during that, the two things that really set Jack off is he stutters and Danny mumbles something about the timer and it flips Jack out. So, yeah, shouts in his face. Same exact moment you've seen Jack many times before. Oh, no. Why was I so angry there? Calm down. Eventually, Danny comes to they grill him a little bit, but then they let go. They let him go because he's getting upset. Uh, I think actually to the point where Wendy just kind of swoops him up and takes him into the yeah. bedroom. I think there's some talk of like. We we need to get him a physical before the snow comes. Oh, that's my that, that's that's it. They they actually planned the doctor's appointment last chapter. They did do right. That. right. So they actually had a doctor's appointment pre set up for the following day. Here they make a point that should they go earlier? Do right. they need to take Danny now? And they're like, no, we'll go in the schedule. It seems he's calmed down. It seems he's fine. Yeah, I think like in that when they set up that when Wendy's talking about that, she's like, am I being paranoid? 
And Jack's like, eh, it's probably a good idea for us all to get physicals. Right. Which, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You are correct. You're going to be 40 miles through, like, six-foot-high snow. You should probably get a physical first. So they, um... When he takes them to bed, they're both jacks at the door. Um, they tuck him in, and he's like, "Oh, just just put the nightlight in." Oh, and can Daddy come in? And I want to talk to him for a bit. Get another Wendy jealous moment where she's like, "Damn, why does he always want to talk to Dad?" Uh, Jack pushes him a little bit again to figure out maybe where it came from. But during this time, he's internally monologuing, "Why did I get angry? Why did mm -hmm. I snap on it's him?" It's perfectly normal for a child to have a stutter. Yeah, in it's perfectly situations. fine that this. Kid, I mean, look what he was going through. There's no way he said timer. <laughs> yeah, he clearly said timer, but he didn't say timer. And yeah. uh, he basically tucks him in. You know, we'll go see. Blah 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 blah. You'll be good tomorrow. And then Jack leaves, and they both go to bed. And then we hear a loud screaming in the night, and that. Wasp hive was not so free of wasps. No, no. Uh, and when they when the parents first bust in the room, it's as if um, Jack missed a few. Like the bug bomb didn't kill all of them. There's a couple that are yeah yeah swinging around. And then they sting Danny like a small little batch sting the crap out of Danny's hand. I think later they state that it was eleven when it was yeah, counted. It was a lot. They yank Danny up. Uh, Wendy's in there smacking the crap out of wasps with the rolled up magazine while he runs Danny to their room, sets him down. Um, I think I don't know if he gives him anything at that point. I don't remember. At some point they do. I think Wendy but... comes back and gives him like eleven uh baby aspirin. Yeah. And like why'd you give him so many? And it's like it's baby aspirin. And then I think they coat something on his hand. Yeah. But basically Jack runs back and Wendy's like get this hive out of here. Well, when they go there, when he does this, Jack had thrown like a bowl. Yeah. On top he he of ran to the kitchen, grabbed a bowl, and threw it over it. So now that all the free wasps are killed, Jack goes back to grab it with the bowl over top of it. That's see through. And we see that the thing is swarming with wasps. Yeah, you can't see the wasps. It's the, as if he didn't even anymore. kill a single wasp in it. And that's when he goes on this weird rant to Danny about, like, he gets out his Polaroid, he's taking pictures of Danny's hand, and he's like, we're oh, going to yeah. sue the hell out of them. Which threw me off at first. But I wasn't he, sure who he was talking about suing. Right, but once you, it clicks that he's he planned on suing the bug bomb company, it kind of makes sense. It's Jack is diffusal of responsibility. Yeah. And in this one, it's kind of not his fault, but it's perfectly in character for him to be like, not just be like, something went wrong and my son got stung, but this is the bug bomb people's fault. They will pay. Therefore, none of this is mine. You're getting the obsession Jack has with vengeance, right. basically, at this point. He, yep. you, you start to see that everything, take medicine. everything has to be worked out by sh punishing someone for something. Yeah. Jack's the kind of person that, like, trips on a normal, like, stepping up onto a normal sidewalk and tries to sue the city. <laughs> yeah, basically. So he, he he does that. Wendy actually kind of goes, oh, I thought you were being a lunatic, but that kind of makes sense. We'd sue the bug bomb. Uh, but she's still also pretty pissed. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. As she like, actually, I told you not to put this thing. Yeah, in. she actually makes a comment that, or kind of an internal thought that she uh, never liked that anyway, because to her, a wasp is nothing but a bunch of aliens chewing and spitting shit out. Mm. And that was why the wasp thing bothered her from the get-go. And this is where I'm going to cut in. <laughs> we're going to talk about Dreamcatcher. <laughs> I'm just saying, the themes are here already. Alien versus Shiny? Hmm? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. That's all I need to do. I, I mean, the boiler's down below. Maybe there's something it's under creeping. it. It's yeah. creeping. It's don't, creeping. Don't forget it's creeping. But um, Jack then runs the hive outside and puts it in... Or not quite outside, but like a, a a small room that's like so like a door then outside, so the room's so cold mm -hmm. that he leaves the wasp nest in there so that the wasp will just die from the cold. Right. And then that's kind of the end of... Because that worked last time. Yeah. 
<laughs> so that that's kind of the end of the nest as we know so far. Yeah. He's just left it there. Um I think of that after that incident they all oh, Danny stays and sleeps with them. Right. He tells them that they can stay and sleep with yeah. him. I believe that's and Danny's a, a fucking trooper. Once, oh yeah. Once yeah, he's yeah. calmed down. Yeah. Like he's holding up like I mean they almost described it as like cartoon Mickey Mouse sized hand. He's like, Wow, this is wild. Daddy says my hand's worth a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. Like Danny's a fucking trooper. I really just hope we don't see like a actually a very shattering in, of his mind. It's like actually a very book. interesting distinction between the movie and the book. Uh, I remember really making many of those, but Danny in the book is presented far more internally sound. The the movie very much the Kubrick movie very much makes Danny look kind of like a mess all the time. Mm. He just kind of always looks like he's angsty and, and, and but when with the book you're actually getting that like Anytime Danny seems to be slightly awkward, because you now have the internal monologues, you're now seeing that what Danny's doing is trying to shield his parents. Right. Whenever he's being quiet or weird, it's not, oh, that's that weird kid in the movie. It's, it's, it, he's like, I don't want my parents to freak out because I know exactly what they're thinking. It, it's kind of reminiscent of like the difference between Carrie movie and book, where like in the movie you can kind of look at Carrie as someone who got swept up in the moment in the book you hear her internal monologue and see the moment she turns heel yeah yeah um, you, you the movie's actually easier to sympathize with Carrie because it just looks like abuse retribution right in the book you get abuse retribution and then enjoyment from the entire right. act <laughs> right but yeah that's pretty much all of that chapter and no. we move into our last one and this launches right in the hospital. Yeah. I believe it opens with Danny is laying on a table in just his underwear. Yep. <clears throat> they've, they've, they're at the doctor's appointment. And he, uh, the doctor, I forget his name, but uh, he um, is doing an EEG. Yeah. Describes yeah. to him that, it you know, it's put wires on your head. It won't go in your head. I'm just going to put these on your head and it's going to spit out data that I get to look at. Yeah. They're like talking about epilepsy, checking him for that. Um, which he was surprised that Danny was so was even aware of. He's like, oh, there was a kid in my class who couldn't use the light board. Right, which... I don't know what that is. No idea, but it, I guess... It was funny, because, like, I, I not that long ago read Institute, and they use a board of flashing... with flashing lights as a way to, like, trigger powers in people. So I was like, wait, what? No, that can't be what he's talking about. I guess King likes light boards. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... I don't know, this... This eventually goes through, like, the, the doctor wins his trust. Um, because Danny's very much like, I'm not telling you about this, this shit. Like, I don't remember what happened. I just far away stared. And then Danny, like, the doctor eventually wins his trust, and Danny starts speaking kind of openly about Tony. Yeah, he specifically goes, he specifically calls Danny into his office after all that inspection. So he's got his clothes back on and everything. He goes back into the office, and, and he does. And his parents are in the waiting room. Yeah, and he uh, kind of tries to get Danny comfortable and is like, okay... Basically letting Danny know that no matter what, how absurd something he's about ready to say sounds, he's completely okay with it and he'll just listen. Don't worry, kid. Secretly, I work for the Institute. You're not going to sound crazy. Okay, yeah. That's, uh, that's our theory. Yeah, and, and when we get to the end of this, it, it makes perfect. Yeah. He's def there's something weird about the dude. But um, he, he prods Danny a little bit and it's like, hey, Danny, could you maybe try to have one of those episodes deliberately? Yeah, could you maybe summon Tony. Yeah, try to actually talk to Tony or something. And so you see him kind of delve slowly into his mind. He gets pushed further in. It, he gets a little bit of environment. Oh, there's some road I'm walking down. And then it slowly uh, ends up at the uh, hotel. And he sees things like um, 
his dad ruffling through the papers we saw near the boiler room. Right. And, he key, and uh, I believe one of the key moments is that he sees his dad looking over at a white book bound Rogue in... stroke. Ground, yeah. Ground, I think bound in some gold string or something. It was a very weird book. But yeah. he, he states that as his father's attention is drawn to it, he feels, a, he feels of that slightly evil maliciousness involved. And he's trying to shout out to his dad not to read that book because that's the worst book. And he can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony... Does the standard, hey, Danny. We get slightly more description on Tony here in that Tony is older than Danny, maybe old enough to drive a car. I believe Danny thinks he's always distant. I think it's weird because Danny says he thinks he's 11 at first and Mm -hmm. then mentions driving a car. Yeah. So Danny doesn't truly have a clue how old Tony is. He's clearly older, though. Yeah. And I can't tell if this is Danny. If there's something weird here, if this is Danny being a kid who just fundamentally don't understand age. The the only weird. Like. Oh, that that's an adult. They have to be at least 12. I don't know if it's that. Now, this know? has absolutely no existence in the movie, so this is a pure speculation from me. We are very weirdly told in that same time frame that Wendy and Jack had considered having a kid. Right. Is that Tony? It's King, and I could see an unborn child, soul, mm. something. like Maybe like... Something happened. Maybe because like, they, they mentioned because they, they mentioned she's like she, Wendy makes a weird point where like they, we tried to have a kid, but now I'm back on the pill because we wanted to have a sibling for Danny, and I'm I'm almost kind of wondering if like I don't even mean necessarily entirely literally, mm-hmm. but like almost metaphysically, Danny conjured up the sibling he would have had. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it like, being older is weird because then it might suggest that something was born before him. And but it then also that kind of implies that like, but that would because be because he had the vision of him having a a sibling like there was like a baby laying in a crib in his right. home and that one never came true so that's why that's why i'm like that would be weird it, it, it would be it would be weird it's just i'm just I, to get to something we actually talked about off this thing the weirdness of the part where he goes uh this is a little jump forward but uh when he's talking to the parents afterward he makes the, the comment yeah the doctor talks to the parents afterward he makes the comment of do you know why he's named Tony and not Hal, Chad, or whatever these other names are? And they're like, oh, yeah. I don't know if us as the reader are supposed to pick up what that means. Right. Or if that's like us being just shown, hey, there's a piece of information you don't know that Im- that impacts why he's called Tony. You yep. might find it out later. But that's the only reason why I kind of like threw that out there. Because it's kind of like Tony seems to have some meaning, the name right. does. And it seems to be known by the doctor and the but parents I don't think the that doctor it has a would meaning. have known the their potential plan for the next kid's name. That's where I'm. That, that that's true. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, maybe that, that, I don't know. That's probably the case. But, I did. There is something weird at the very least about Tony and seeming like Tony might actually be a thing in some capacity, not just right. And, like he's given a name. To and something. we've discussed a little off cast. Like, what if Tony is just like. Those names are some reference we just don't know. Exactly. It could just be something that's simple, so, too. We're going to see it on that one. But, um, yeah, t- I think we get the very similar kind of output verbally from Danny during this thing. Because mm-hmm. when he comes out, the doctor's like, you, you mentioned Red Rum. He He's actually the first person to clarify with Danny, did you mean Red Drum or Red Rum? And Danny goes, Red Rum. Right. So we now have the clarification that's not some weird way a way of saying it or a red drum or something. Um, I think he also makes the the roque comment again. Yeah, the we, ba- we basically kind of like a repeat of sort of what we experienced in the bathroom with the words and such, except that this time it was deliberately inflicted, and this time um, 
the doctor's trying to sort of make sense of it for Danny. And like, there's there's a bit where Danny talks about his mom in the waiting room. Like, right now, she's thinking about her little sister who got hit by a car and died. Ali, Aline? I think it's Aline. Yeah. Aline, yeah. Um, like, tells the doctor that. And then from there, like, a little bit more talk with doctor and the and Danny. And then doctor goes out to talk to the parents. Yeah, yeah like, hey, could you... Yeah, send, sends him out. And then they come in and they talk to him. Or they're talking to him. And... The doctor basically explains to them that this isn't that odd and that they what they have on their hands is just a very bright boy. Who hasn't who, grown into his imagination. Yeah, and that he's very keen and that things like maybe having called out where his dad's stuff was was simply a excellent job of uh, process of elimination. That the trip he knew his parents were going to, he was going to take him on was actually the result of him just asking. And that even though they told him they could never take him, he was just guessing. And, kind of yeah. chucks it all up to just you know, he's a smart kid. Yeah, there, there's a little bit here that I would be amiss if I did not point out, which I think is much more the result of the science of the time than any ill will on the part of Stephen King. There was a little bit of like... Oh, that all kids have a bit of schizoid in yeah, them? Yeah, like <laughs> every kid's a little schizophrenic. It's fine. They yeah. grow out of it. Just hopefully it doesn't grow into autism. And I was like, okay, that broke every part of my <laughs> brain, but fine. But I will say that in that time, those things were horribly understood. Yeah, and the characters actually handed it, despite being medically very wrong, they actually handed it with compassion and care. Yeah, yeah. So, full credit. It was bad science, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah. There, there was a, there's a bit where like you find out Danny was born uh, behind the veil, with the cowl over his face. Um, so of course that means second sight. Yeah. You know. Um, but this is where we get into your little institution blop. Like, why? Why? Because I had mentioned yep. this earlier, and it was like, this sounds institutiony. Yep. Um, because yeah, the doctor goes through like everything Danny's told him, and he's like, hey, here's the logical re explanation. For, for these. Perfectly explains everything. Yeah, and then he gets to the point where he's like, hey, Wendy, did you have a sister, Eileen or Aileen or however you say it, who died? Oh yeah. How do you know? She died in a car wreck when she ran out into the um, street going after a ball, and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure Danny's fine. Yeah, and it's just like, you're suddenly like, you just spent all this time telling the parents that there was reasonable explanations for this, and then you're just now checking up that the boy's totally psychic. Yep. Like, this is, this. I have not read The Institution, but I had the general gist of it from the synopsis. You've read The Institution. This feels like a guy on the inside of information whose job it is to find kids with these Oh, yes, yeah. especially because, like, <laughs> if you compare... Danny's power level purely in what he's told the doctor not in anything any other part of the book purely in what he's told the doctor he can do he's more powerful than everyone at the institute so so that was a cool little twist yeah probably doubt that King was aiming at this at this point but it's kind of neat that it looks like it now applies yes. to something yeah no it's good um that's kind of there yeah. like I think get, I think it ends little... with the doctor basically going who wants to go home and yeah. Danny gets all excited like we get a little bit from Wendy's perspective of being like yeah I guess that makes sense but like when I know I'm for a bad day and I'm like man I want a glass of tea I'm gonna go get a glass of tea I walk into the kitchen and my cup's there with a tea bag in it <laughs> Wendy <laughs> fucking knows yeah no Wendy clearly Wendy simultaneously enjoys that it's been rationalized but knows the rationalization is full of shit yeah <laughs> she yep. knows Danny has something ugh but yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Like, and that's why I'm so worried. This was good. Yeah, it's it's good. So far, once again, there's a bit there's negatives are like filler. It's clear King got on a run with an idea. Oh, but with the, in the um in the chapter where he's talking to the doctor, like yeah, that was the complaint about oh stop yeah. the foreshadowing. Yes, foreshadowing. Yes, during the um the 
self-induced vision, he says stuff like, uh, he sees the boiler and makes the comment, the, the, I forget the term he uses, the machine, the yeah, and contraption. Like, he doesn't describe the boiler, he just describes this machine. And I think that's supposed to throw us off, but like literally there's papers the only... around it. We've already seen it. We recognize yeah, it. Yeah, it's like literally the only machine. And and so the statement in the book is the the machine that will be forgotten. Yep. Well, guess what machine was told never to forget about. And, and like throughout this chapter, you've had like I think at least three different times someone say the boiler creeps. Remember the boiler creeps. Check it. It creeps. Like Watson. That was the last thing he yeah. said. He's like, hey, take it easy. Have a great winter. Boiler creeps, dudes. Check it. Do not let that be the machine that is forgotten. <laughs> exactly. And then we pair that with the Danny instance where he describes hearing heavy footsteps and the roquet just smashing into the walls. And then he walks into the room, walks into the room. He's chased this sound down to and then goes, oh, my God, it was dot, 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 dot. Yep. And it's just like. Um, We're not professionals here. So it's fine. <laughs> it's like, OK, man has a cro- roquet going to be doing stuff boiler get okay dude <laughs> yep like it's a little you're much. abusing a kid with foresight a little too much yeah <laughs> like yep. i get his powers are literally premonition but i still need to be like amazed when it happens yeah <laughs> so it's like, like it hasn't ruined it it's not ruined it I, i'm still fairly enjoying it but We've had three books, though, of King foreshadowing the entire book before halfway through the book. Yeah. So, if And this we... <laughs> is normally the tipping point of when things start getting bad. Yeah. So let's hope. Let's hope. Uh, talk about it when we're doing next. Actually uh, yeah. planned this. Look at this. Look at this. Yeah. That's planning. Uh, so. This should be 18 to... 25. 25. I was about ready to wait for you to say, you know what? It, it appears these markings I put in my book were entirely arbitrary. Yep. yep. <laughs> no, actually, that brings us through the end of part three. Okay. So we're going to be reading up till the beginning of part four, Snowbound. So we're reading the rest of the Wasp's Nest. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Weird that the whole part's called Wasp's Nest. Now I'm worried about that nest that was left in the other yeah. room. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that's like the catalyst event. It's not going to be just more and more wall. Like every chapter is about wasp nest grew legs. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I didn't realize how different the book was from the movie. Yeah. Like... The wasp is the, is the antagonist <laughs> the entire time. The boiler room doesn't, nothing even happens. It's just a wasp army. <laughs> it's just a bunch of wasps creeping up the walls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, um, any more? No, pretty good shit. Cool. Digging it better than sounds a lot. So automatically thumbs up. Yeah. So, uh, oh my god, I actually get to do this. So I guess until next time, I've been Tony. Yeah? Because I named Anthony, right? <laughs> Tony? <laughs> and you read the book. Shine on. Hole in the Wall Book Club is a part of the Ice in the Air Productions Network and produced and edited by Anthony Sheets. The music in this episode is Supernatural Radio by Kevin McLeod. There'll be a link to his license and website in the show notes. If you want to get a hold of us, tweet us at Ice in the Air or send an email to iceintheear at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to tell a friend or leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice. Word of mouth and five-star reviews really help us get out in front of more people and let us expand and do more things. More information on the show can be found on iceintheear.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.